This is One in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 54 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And with me this morning is Linda Bambera. That's correct. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Okay, I always try to. Um, and Linda is going to be speaking with us about um, something very important, and uh, it's uh, positive behavior supports and something that we're going to refer to as HCPBS until you can explain what that is. So good morning. Linda, thank you for being on the show. Good morning. Very happy to be here today. Great. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to let everyone know that my purpose of my talk today is to introduce everyone to home and community positive behavior support, which is a nonprofit network that provides pre free resources to families and to providers who are interested in using positive behavior supports or PBS to individuals who live in the community or in their own homes. Great. And uh, you and I had a talk the other day where um, we sort of did this, but without being recorded. And it was really intriguing to me because what stood out, I think, the most was just the um, sort of the organic nature of all of it. It's one of those things that just makes tremendous sense really for all people. But I know you're going to drill into it a little bit more and explain in a little bit um, uh, more about the network and all of the different ways that people can engage with you. Mm -hmm. Before we do that, though, I'd love for you to give us some background on yourself and your role uh, with HCPBS as well as uh, how you got there. Oh boy, it's a long history. I've been in the field for a long time now, um, since 1975, when I first worked in a residential school for children with emotional behavior disorders and autism. Uh, this was at the period of time when children were with, with uh, challenging behaviors weren't even allowed in public schools. Mm -hmm. um, but currently, I'm now a professor emeritus from Lehigh University, uh, my area of special education. I've worked at Lehigh for over 30 years, and I've also been involved with PBS since its inception, since the 1980s. Um, also, which is sort of odd for, for a professor, I also ran two community service programs that were affiliated with the university. One provided residential supports to adults with developmental disabilities, and the other provided transition programs for um, youth with um, disabilities uh, as they were transitioning from high school into the adult service systems. So our emphasis there was um, helping people to develop uh, community living skills and also job skills in supported and competitive employment. Um, so within Lehigh, um, my emphasis has always been in the area of positive behavior supports, and we've always supported individuals that had the most challenging behaviors. For example, many of the people we supported that uh, in residential supports had lived in institutions, mm -hmm. and many of the transition youth that we had um, supported also had very difficult, challenging behaviors that school districts could not um, provide for. So we provide a lot of one-on-one -on -one supports um, so I've kind of witnessed um, throughout my history, the fields changing from using very punitive and restrictive interventions for kids engaged in challenging behaviors to something that became much more positive and much more effective, which I'll talk about in a little bit. I've also been involved with PBS in a variety of different ways. Um, obviously, as a service provider, I had firsthand experience with developing a lot of interventions for uh, people who are perceived as being very challenging. 
Uh, I've been involved as a researcher uh, where I've tested out and evaluated effective interventions and also kind of explored what community providers were telling us were the barriers or some of the difficulties they faced with implementing it and things that they can do to improve it. I've also written several books on PBS um, where I translate um, the evidence-based practices in a way that practitioners could carry out. And then also I've been involved as an advocate. Um, since the early 1990s, uh, I was involved in, in Pennsylvania's Positive Behavior Supports Committee. And we were the first group, I think, probably one of the first groups in the, in the country that eliminated the use of restraint and seclusion for individuals that challenge behaviors in home settings. And then since then, I've been involved with various national organizations on their boards like TASH and the Association of Positive Supports. And now I'm involved with uh, HCPBS, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Okay. So that's a mouthful. Thank you. No, that's, that's a lot <laughs> of years worth of history. Um, no, it's always good to establish kind of who I'm talking with on the, the show. I think our listeners appreciate, and you have a wealth of experience, um, some of which, like you said before, is a little bit um, unusual for somebody who's also, you know, sort of... Um, <laughs> Right, you know, at, at Lehigh, but you're doing all of this other stuff too. So I just had a couple of questions real quick. Um, first of all, let's just throw this out there because I think people are going to leave listening to this interview and want to know possibly more information. So the books that you've written are available where? Let's just at least say that. Oh my goodness. Let me think. Uh, one book um, that is just coming out and really this is not a plug. It just happens to be. It's okay. That's, we, we do this all the time. Uh, it's a um, edited book. Um, that is coming out by Guilford Press, and it's called Individualizing Positive Supports for Students uh, with Problem Behaviors. Um, that is more of a school-focused book. Um, but then I have another book that is uh, done with Rachel Janney and Martha Snell, and that book is on... Um, Positive, it's just called Positive Behavior Support. And it's, um, again, written for schools, but also could be used in home community settings readily. And it provides very detailed guidance about how to, how to use PBS. Perfect. And finally, I did a small one for AAMR. Okay. So I would think that if somebody were to do a search with your name and Positive Behavior Supports, it's, they yeah. will find them. Um, I always like to do it and, and, and it's fine to plug your work, but also, um, you know, we're only going to be able to scratch the surface to some degree today. And I want people to have the resources to be able to go in and learn more and read a little bit more about where the work that you've done. So I appreciate that. Um, also, you talked about how, um, you know, you've always been focused on supporting people with the most challenges. And at Anderson Center for Autism, we support uh, individuals with autism who are really on the more severe side of, of what some of the challenges that they're, that they're facing and, and behaviorally involved uh, as well. But you said something that I think is worth repeating, which is you at the time were working with people who had been institutionalized, which is not something that you hear so much anymore. And we've really moved away from even the term institutionalization. But I would think that there would be no bigger, sort of farther from each other, the idea of an institutionalized program and anything called positive behavior support. So that must have been a wildly interesting time of, of being right in the middle of that transition and these folks coming out of institutions, some of whom going into group homes, but some of whom probably going home or back into their home communities and introducing something that had never been part of their lives. Was that, um, I mean, what was that like? <laughs> uh, well, it, it was very challenging. Um, 
Lehigh came involved with um, providing residential supports to people who had lived in institutions at the time when Pennhurst was closing mm-hmm. in our state. So you're all, everybody's familiar with the big important Pennhurst lawsuits on class action suits. Um, so imagine having 18 individuals now who are placed in group homes have never lived in the community at all. And they had developed a number of uh, significant challenging behaviors Um, a lot of self-injury, a lot of aggression, um, and uh, a lot of pica. uh, Mm -hmm. So it was at a period of time when the field was also beginning to change its perspective, beginning to grow. So that what became the, the idea of normalization, we should begin to use interventions that would be ones that are respectful and dignified. We wanted people to be part of their community. But yet at the same time, the only tools we had for dealing with people with challenging behaviors were the ones that were considered more punitive and much more restrictive. So for example, when I came on board first to Lehigh, um, while many of the people who were testing out more positive approaches, they were still token economy programs, Mm -hmm. right? They were still the use of restraint. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I discovered um, very early on was that challenging behaviors really didn't decrease because they were in a token economy program or they would use restraints. In fact, people also engaged in greater amounts of challenging behaviors. It would make sense, right? They're angry, they're frustrated, and so forth and so on. And it was just at the same time that applied behavior analysis began talking about things like functional assessment. Uh, the person-centered planning movement became popular uh, within our communities. All those things came together. So uh, I, like many of my colleagues, began to seek out different ways of dealing with this. It no longer made sense anymore to use, to integrate people into their communities, to help them get jobs and still use punitive or token economy programs, which are degrading. But it didn't carry over. There's no way to carry that over. No, right. it didn't make it, it made no sense at all. Mm-hmm. So in the very beginning, um, we began to find, or I began to find like-minded people um, within my state um, and then also nationally to begin to figure out what could what could we do. And I really began to explore all different types of approaches. And within the f- first five years of me being at Lehigh, I then eliminated the use of all restraints and I eliminated the use of token economy programs for the people that I worked with. You asked me what that was like, I felt like I had staff revolt because <laughs> the oh, staff, yeah. even, even though we showed them that, even though I showed them with data that, look, is not making any difference at all. Right. Uh, they still felt uh, felt like it was something that they were doing and they were afraid that if we took it away, sure. that um, they would get hurt further. So it was very difficult to work along with the staff and the people to show them that there are other ways and there are other ways of doing that. Well, and that's a perfect place for it to take a quick break. But I just want to thank you for that, because that's a great lead in okay. to the next half of the show where we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to talk about more specifically what are positive behavior supports, some examples and why um, why we should all be very aware of and care about the fact that there is a home and community positive yeah. behavior support network at this point. Um, I don't think enough people will probably know that there it exists. And then I think you'll do a wonderful job explaining why. Okay. So um, thank for you for that background. This is One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. The 1,200,000 women and men of Rotary have accomplished extraordinary things. They've taught millions of people to read, 
worked toward world peace and have nearly eradicated a crippling childhood disease from the face of the planet. But each of those 1,200,000 women and men know they could accomplish so much more. If only they were 1,200,000 and one. Find out what an impact one person can make. Learn about Rotary at rotary.org. Pass it on. Imagine a little lady who wouldn't give up her seat on the bus. A TV host who wanted to be your neighbor. Or an inventor whose 10,000 failures didn't stop him. These vivid images all share the same caption. Inspiration. These people just did their best and they inspire us. Now, what will you do to inspire others? Inspiration is in you. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com. And now, 1 in 54 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. Welcome back to 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking today with Linda Bombera from uh, HCPBS, Home and Community um, Home and Community Positive Behavior Support Network. And uh, Linda, thank you for the overview and your background and a little taste of what it was like when you were first getting involved in this um, uh, in this work. And, and now I'd love to just hand it off to you to tell us uh, more specifically what are positive behavior supports and why is the fact that there is now a home and community positive behavior supports network so important for people to know about? Okay, great. Um, so positive behavior support has evolved over the years since the early 80s till now, but the best way I can describe it is that it's um, an evidence-based approach that is used to address the needs of individuals who engage in challenging behaviors um, with the goal of not just reducing challenging behaviors or problem behaviors, but also improving the individual's quality of life so they can fully participate in their home, their communities, or in their schools. Um, it uses evidence-based practices, and this is really important for understanding the reasons why individuals might engage in challenging behaviors. And to increase effectiveness, our goal is, is to address those underlying needs or those underlying factors that are contributing to challenging behaviors rather than just applying any intervention. Um, so once you under, have a good understanding about what the factors might be that are contributing to an individual's problem behaviors, the interventions then focus in on changing those problematic contexts or those triggers. Um, and also um, when those environments or those situations really can't be changed well enough for that individual, teaching the individual some pro-social ways of dealing with difficulties. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a balance between changing the environment, uh, changing the way that we interact with individuals, and then, then teaching them alternative ways to meet their, their needs so they no longer need to rely on, on challenging behaviors. Um, additionally, what makes positive behavior supports positive is that um, we believe that the intervention should always be age appropriate and they should always be respectful of that individual. So we wouldn't want to use anything on any individual that we ourselves wouldn't want to use or anything that would stigmatize an individual. So we have to be very mindful and careful about that. And the other thing that makes um, PBS PBS is that it's team-based approach so that there's no one expert, okay? You don't have a behavior specialist coming in and saying, I'm the expert in everything, even though the behavior specialist can provide some good guidance to a team, but everyone in the team, everybody who provides support to that individual is involved. So that would include family members, that would include um, 
direct uh, direct care providers, um, and it might involve psychologists if that's uh, if that person's involved in that individual's life. Um, everybody contributes. No one has the answers to everything, but everybody comes together to collaborate along a joint vision. So once we understand the reasons a person might engage in challenging behaviors, then everyone participates in setting up goals and then setting up an intervention strategy, similar to what we would do in any person-centered planning type of approach. And then finally, PBS has its roots in applied behavior analysis. So mm -hmm. it's still very systematic. It's still very data-driven and that we determine effectiveness by collecting very careful data to see whether or not our interventions are working. And if it doesn't work, we go back to revise, figure out, do we need to assess better? What can we do to make it better? Never ever do we go back to say, you might've heard this before, but way back in the old days, we used to say, well, if it's not working, that gives us license to use a more restrictive or punitive intervention. No, that's not the way it works in PBS. Right. Um, <laughs> good. So I'm glad you hear about that. So um, what is HCPBS? Okay, mm -hmm. so home and community positive behavior supports is a network of like-minded professionals who, is, who are interested in getting out resources and trainings to people who want to use PBS in home settings or in community settings. And primarily we're interested in getting this information out to families um, and to direct service providers. Um, HCPBS is affiliated or a branch of the National Association of Positive Behavior Supports. But as you might be aware, um, nationally our movement has been focusing on schools with something called school-wide PBS. You might've heard mm -hmm. that. Yes. So because of that emphasis, believe it or not, um, there's been somewhat of a lesser emphasis on how to use PBS for the original group that was developed with <laughs> for, right. and that is for people with developmental disabilities and other and autism. Mm -hmm. So our network tries to get the word out to people and saying, yes, we haven't forgotten you. Yes, there are lots of resources that are made available for, for you. Um, right now we have about um, 350 members um, nationwide and also internationally. Uh, I've just did a webinar for some people in England, so we're beginning to grow. That's great. Uh, and we're looking to grow as, as big as we can um, to provide resources. All our resources are uh, made available on uh, the following website. It's www.hcpbs.org. Mm -hmm. And on this web website, it's a very friendly website, very engaging. Yes, website. I've been there. You can find everything. We can find a lot of information there. Tons of information. So some of the stuff that you can find on there are um, assessment tools for how to engage in functional assessment, intervention tools that are developed specifically for families and service providers, videos on what PBS is, so mm -hmm. that if you need to educate somebody or, or somebody says, hey, what's PBS? You can go right to this website and have a great uh, animated video. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a number of articles on what PBS is and articles about interventions. And then most importantly, I want to bring your attention to the fact that HCPBS does host three webinars per year. Okay. And these are often done by national experts in PBS, people with some big names in the field. Uh, these webinars also offer BCBA credits for people who are behavior specialists. And so some examples of these webinars in the past have, been, have included uh, ethical decision-making, teaching communication skills as alternatives mm -hmm. to problem behaviors, uh, collaborative teaming mm -hmm. um, in 
coming up in this year, we'll have one on person-centered planning, uh, one on the relationship between PBS and psychiatry. That sounds fascinating. I, many community <laughs> providers have told us that that would be a really good topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also PBS um, with regard with working with diverse families and working with diverse individuals. Um, what's cool about these webinars is that they're all, previous ones have been recorded and they're uploaded right now. So at any point you could just click on them and you can share them with your teams um, and so forth. And then also, um, in addition to webinars, we do bi-monthly family chats. Mm -hmm. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, they're structured like webinars and that they're topical and they can be anything from dealing with family stress, uh, with coping, using positive strategies in community places. Mm -hmm. So families may have difficulty bringing their child to church, uh, to a playground, to the grocery store, what might strategies they use. Mm -hmm. um, so these are geared for families. Um, they're usually short um, 30 minute sessions and the rest of the hours used to engage families in conversation. And this is usually run by uh, family members themselves or, and other people who've devoted their lives to spreading the news. Right. Um, and then finally, the webinars uh, for families, um, the family chats are coordinating, coordinated with Parenting Special Needs Magazine. Mm -hmm. um, so often there's an article uh, that focuses on special needs for families, and we will choose a topic that's related to that. And it's worked in coordination together. So that great. That's a lot of, again, really great information. So there's the webinars, the family chats, articles. Um, tools, videos, uh, all at, I just want to repeat it again, hcpbs.org. That's so check that website out. Um, I know you want to, we have a couple minutes left and I would love for you to share some information about membership because there's a few different options. Sure. Um, so just quickly give us an overview. Sure. of Membership is absolutely free. That's the first thing everyone needs Great. to do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You can go right now to the website and access our materials, but if you become a general member, which means you owe us nothing, you don't need to do anything, just consume, um, we'll keep you updated when there's a new webinar happening, we'll send you emails, we'll just, and also we'd like to learn a little bit more about our group. Um, you can also become an ambassador and an ambassador um, just is uh, signs on and is willing to share information about our resources to other members in their network. And uh, you'll get a, a, a quarterly update. And again, you can share that information with your people, whatever you think is most relevant. Then there are active members and we encourage this. Active members are folks who really want to become involved within our organization and join any one of our leadership teams. So for example, one leadership team focuses on webinars. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, Eliza, I know that you're excited when I said, well, PBS in psychiatry. <laughs> we, we learned that because we've had community um, people join us and become active members and said, no, this is what we need to hear of. Yeah, yeah. We'll go out our way and we'll figure okay. out people who want to talk about that. So okay. that's really exciting. And then finally, there are collaborators. And collaborators are people in the community who would like to work with us on a joint, on a joint project. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, uh, one person I know is joining with another person has interest on, on developing a quality of life tool mm -hmm. uh, so that we can evaluate whether a person's quality of life has improved or not. So um, we are totally a volunteer organization um, that are just looking for like-minded people to go out there and share this wealth of information. And we're very excited about what we do. 
That's fantastic. And you fit it in perfectly to the time we had today. (laughs) So um, once again, uh, the website is hcpbs.org. That stands for home and community based positive, home and community positive based. We try again. Home and community positive behavior supports, which is a network of like-minded individuals who really understand and want to push forward the, um, the, 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 extremely positive impact of of positive behavior supports, but beyond the classroom, beyond the settings where you are used to seeing it and hearing about it and back um, in the homes and the communities of uh, people who are living with developmental disabilities. So thank you so much, Linda. This has been a great talk. Uh, Please go visit the website again, hcpbs.org. And thank you for your time today, Linda. It was really informative. Well, thank you so much. This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 